we asked for your questions on bone broth, and man, did you send them in. Today's episode is dedicated to answering all the questions we received about the wonder that is bone broth. We will cover sourcing your bones, what types of bones to use, cooking broth, including equipment, timings, add-ins, how you can make your broth thicker, thinner, stronger, weaker, the myriad of ways you can drink and eat your broth, nutrition and storage. There are so many ideas packed into the next 75 minutes. So whether you're a beginner at broth or have been making it for years, I'm sure you'll find help and encouragement in this episode. Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen podcast with Alison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea, living on a newly created family farm in northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Good morning, Alison. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's nice to talk to you again. <laughs> Always nice to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a this is an awesome episode based mm-hmm. on an episode. Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> we already weird, did, isn't it? Yeah. So we got to talk to. Well, actually, it was me. I think just I did. Yeah. I got to talk to Jill Shepard Davenport, and she and Dr. Kara N. Fitzgerald, they are the co-authors of Better Broths and Healing Tonics, 75 Bone Broth and Vegetarian Broth-Based Recipes for Everyone. And I have it sitting in front of me, which is why I got the title so perfect. And <laughs> hey, this book's beautiful. Allison, when you told me, I have a book about broths I want you to read, I was like, really? A broth book? Haven't we read everything about broth? But I was wrong. No. <laughs> yeah, no. I was totally it's a wrong. whole other world, that book. Yeah, I started reading the book after you um, had a copy sent to me. And instantly I was like, wait a minute, what have I been missing? And so this book is beautiful. And we, after that episode, asked everybody to send us their broth questions, which you did. Yeah. Y'all had some burning questions. (laughs) Some of you, um, like one question that came up multiple times. Um, Allison, we're just going to pretend that this podcast is really like, you know, number one podcast in the world. We had hundreds of listeners asking us. (laughs) We did have a lot. We did have a lot. (laughs) We had a lot. Um, Asking about pressure canning and asking about skimming broth. That came up multiple times. What bones to use. That came up many times so we're going to answer all of that today but before we do yeah this might be a long (laughs) one I think (laughs) yeah before we do I want to ask Alison if you ate your lunch today before we started yes I did I'm nicely full but um I actually want to break with precedent and um tell you what I had for breakfast (gasps) I never get to tell I never get to talk to you about breakfast because we always record afternoon my time but I thought, considering this is a broth episode and my breakfast had a lot of broth in it, I could tell you about my breakfast for a change and people can actually hear the sort of thing I ate for breakfast. So yeah. um, I got up early 
and had a cup of broth. <laughs> there we go. Um, first time we say broth in this episode. Gonna be hundreds An of them. Auspicious start. Um, with a small spoonful of miso stirred in. So I heat up the broth and then take a little bit of the broth and kind of break up the miso spoonful with it and then stir it in. And it makes it a bit sort of salty and gives it a, a different flavour. So I had that and then I got on with some things in the kitchen whilst Gabriel was getting ready for school. Um, made, mixed up a um, lectin-free bread and did some water kefir. And then once the house was peaceful and um, everyone had gone, <laughs> I usually wait till then for my breakfast, I put a little bit more broth into a small saucepan and then I put two or three spoonfuls of some meat juice that was left from me um, cooking some pork in lard last week, um, which is like a confit. And the juice that separated from the lard that was left over at the bottom is so like jelly and so tasty. I put a couple of spoonfuls of that in. Um, and then I put some leftover sorghum in, which we'd cooked, I think, yesterday. Um, and heated that up a little bit so everything kind of melted nicely. And then I put an egg in it and put the lid on and left it for like four or five minutes. And I had some fresh parsley in the fridge and scissored that into it. And it was absolutely delicious. Really lovely. And I thought, you know, broth and broth, that's really apt for our broth episode. Yeah. Really. And yeah, it's easy I like it. because, you know, the broth, like, like so many things we talk about in the podcast, everything's done before. You know, the broth is done before. Mm -hmm. The meat juice mm -hmm. thing is done before parsley was in the fridge and the sorghum was just we cook a lot of that and leave it in the fridge and then it's available so mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. it was really yummy how about you have you had breakfast uh not really no? okay. <laughs> okay i brought down a slice of sandwich bread like a homemade sandwich bread and some cheese and butter mm -hmm. but that's just to keep me going until you know second breakfast but the dinner we had last night i guess um, mm. was not based on broth at all <laughs> but we had chicken wings so okay when we did the last 40 chickens we cut them into pieces mm. instead of putting them in the freezer hole part of the motivation was it's easier to make them fit when they're in smaller pieces yeah makes and, sense mm -hmm. and so we made some packs of just wings and so we cooked those, or I cooked those, I guess I should say, and we had a salad and some potatoes. So pretty simple, um, simple sort of a situation. Did you put um, the wings in the oven? Delicious. No, I did them on the stovetop. And do you put anything on them before you fry them? Well, first I poured some lard in the pan, because mm. what do you Why use not? lard for, right? Everything. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I put lard in the pan and then I put them in. And then for Christmas, I got Jacob this bottle of sauce. And mm. so we had used half of it already. And I used the other half to put on this, this round. Yeah. And it was pretty tasty. And then yeah. um, everybody started dipping their potatoes in the sauce too. So mm. <laughs> they liked the sauce. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Really, really yeah, it was. It was quite tasty. Even if there was no broth involved. Although the bones are left over, obviously, no. from the wings. So those bones probably will go into the broth pot, I guess. Well, you would think. But actually, um, our, mm. our dogs looked so pitiful and oh. interested in what we were eating that I gave them the bones last night. 
because oh, it also just nice. strained off a couple of gallons of broth the day before and mm-hmm. um i just wasn't feeling the urgent need to have more broth going so uh, yeah i get that i've yeah. got um yeah. my stock pot is upstairs it's not a very big one but it's full of um mm. beef bones because the whole morning breakfast stock thing i've since christmas i've been doing it every day every morning having a cup of broth first thing before my breakfast mm. and letting the liquid go down before i eat and so my broth um kind of output in the kitchen has had to be more consistent so i can't kind of run right. out and you know, i need to always have yeah. a cup so i've got some up there on the go i should have heated as well it's kind of continuum to drink while we're recording why didn't why didn't i yeah. do that yeah weird I don't know. Next time. <laughs> okay, well, before we dive into broth, we've got um, a couple of reviews to read you. And thank you ever so much to everyone who has reviewed us. I um, said on an episode just, I think, before the end of last year that we were looking for two more reviews to get to 100 reviews. And we've got more than two more reviews. So thank you to everyone who's leaving us a review. And I'd like to read one from Lizzie which is a five-star review. Thank you, Lizzie. Lizzie is um, a patron and is on our Discord channel and has been involved in our private podcasts. Really wonderful to have you on board, Lizzie. And she said in her review, informative, comforting and inspiring. I have binge listened to this podcast since I found it on my health journey. I've learned so much by listening all the while being inspired and comforted. The interview style is very effective in getting information for the listeners, but has a laid-back quality that is just calming. I have found myself numerous times while listening, getting excited about the subjects discussed. I feel like I have known Andrea and Alison for years, even though we've never met. What a treasure this place is, and it has helped me in more ways than I can say here. If you want to be inspired, get tips on healthier eating, or just want to learn, this is the place. Thank you, Lizzie. Well, thank you, Lizzie. I like that yeah. she said comforting. I yeah. feel comforted when I talk to you, so I get it. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice. It's a, it's a really lovely thing to, for us to talk mm-hmm. together. And lots of people say that to me, you know, that the podcast is calming and comforting. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that feels good to me because I think we all need that in this, um, yeah. in this world we live in. So that well, pleases do you, do me. You, do you remember the review where um, somebody said, Please tell us who you are, because <laughs> we like that review. Mm. Somebody said that they listened to it instead of crime podcasts. Yeah. Oh, and it made me change. think how many things in our life are like these uh, high nervous system stimulating sort of mm. things. And how nice it is when you run into something that helps you bring your nervous system back into regulation. Yeah. And it's good if the podcast is one of those. I have a review to read. Okay. From laura ruster and she said she titled it a blessing and she said andrea and allison have become my new companions while cooking cleaning and walking i am blessed by their knowledge and feel inspired and determined after every episode they help to make a healthy traditional lifestyle accessible to us everyday regular folk who are just trying to live the best we can i am ever so grateful yes we are those folk everyday folk exactly exactly i think um you know there's a lot of food podcasts out there that are i was just thinking uh, that (laughs) what's the word 
not sensationalist two-year-old single male yeah. with no kids and just um <laughs> either really ramped up or um really just so much information that's quite glossy mm-hmm. and yeah I think we 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 try to be real you know we are real we're two mums who sit in mm. their various kind of basement stroke bedrooms and <laughs> and and record when we when we find the time you know we're um yeah we're not a media outlet we're just us two gals here with you listening we just <laughs> we just want to bring you into our kitchen with us um yeah which is and then it sounds like um she brought us into her kitchen with her yeah. listening while cooking and cleaning yeah. so so we're all hanging out in the kitchen together real folks <laughs> cooking real meals um not molecular scientists with nothing to do but you know hire massage therapists or something like that yeah (laughs) yeah all right well then on that note let Mm -hmm. us give the people what they want and talk about food and let's go to broth our q and a collection thank you to everyone we left questions Uh uh-huh yes thank you If you're into ancestral eating, you'll know that liver is a superfood full of vitamin A, K and a whole host of B vitamins, plus many essential minerals. It has a truly exceptional nutrient profile and is a staple of traditional healthy diets. But it's not always as easy to get liver into our lives as we want. Getting a good supply, knowing how to cook it so it actually tastes good, and getting all of our family to eat it. These things can be hard, especially when we're busy or travelling. That's where Andrea and I turn to liver capsules. They give us the incredible benefits of liver without having to worry about the sourcing, the preparation, or the eating. One Earth Health produces organ capsules from 100% grass-fed New Zealand-raised cattle. As a podcast listener, you can get 5% off and free shipping by using the link oneearthhealth.com forward slash ancestral kitchen. And each time you order, you'll also be supporting us to keep on making the podcast. Details and the link are in the show notes. So what what we've done... Because there were so many questions and there were so many different topics, we tried to sort them into subject areas. And Mm -hmm. where two people ask the same question or three people ask the same question, we kind of bunched them together. Um, Can can I start, Andrea, just by clarifying the difference between meat stock and bone broth? I wish you would. Mm. I think there's just some confusion around this if you're not into making um, stocks or haven't quite yet got to it. And there are two kind of different um, liquids you can make. The first one is meat stock, which is made from sometimes, you know, a fair few bones, but bones that have meat on them. So, for example, you might do a whole chicken to make a meat stock, or you might have some parts of um, a cow that have some bone in and meat left on them. and that is different from bone broth because bone broth is predominantly bones. Now, there may be a bit of meat left on the bones and cartilage and whatever else, but bone broth is predominantly bones 
and meat stock is predominantly meat, although both might have a bit of the other in. Meat stock is cooked for less time. And when I make meat stock, I eat the meat that comes out of my slow cooker. I would make all my stocks in a slow cooker. Um, and I don't want that meat to be kind of overcooked and dry. So for example, if I put a whole chicken into my slow cooker, I'm gonna cook it for probably four hours. Um, that depends on how hot your slow cooker is. And then I'm gonna eat the meat or make a, a soup with the meat. And then I've got my stock, which was surrounding that chicken. Um, if I make a bone broth, I'm gonna leave it for much longer usually 24 hours or kind of whenever I get back to thinking about it after I put it on. Um, and I generally don't eat the stuff that comes out, although Rob does pick at all the bits and bobs on the bones because he likes them. The difference in um, nutrition and digestion is that it's easier to digest meat stock. It's um, because it's not cooked for so long, it doesn't have so much histamine in it and it doesn't have so much glutamine in it. And because of that, it's easier on your tummy. Bone broth has more protein in it, more amino acids, because the bones are in there for longer and all that stuff is being pulled out, but it's harder to digest. So for diets like, for example, GAPS or AIP, often when you're beginning those, people would suggest meat stock rather than bone broth and see how you get on with that before you transition to bone broth because it's easier for you to digest. Have I missed anything, Andrea, on those two subjects? No, but you did make me think Rob would make such a good caveman. Oh, he would. Oh, seriously. But he like, you know, he eats all the bits that mm, I'm like, mm, really? That's just, that's just blobbles. <laughs> okay. That's blobbles of something. And then he just takes all the bones and nobbles the ends off the bones. And mm -hmm. he's, he's good because I don't throw away as much because of Rob. Yeah. <laughs> Which is nice. That is good. That is good. Okay. Do you want to um, dive into our questions now in the first kind of section of them? And, and um, let's go. See where let's we go from there. It. Go on then. Go on <laughs> then. You, you start. All right. All right. We'll start with sourcing. Um, Andrea Thomas 78 asked, my biggest hurdle is finding quality bones. Anna E. Brooks asked, uh, or she said, finding local and quality sourced bones is difficult. Mm -hmm. So we had some questions around finding bones. What how do you answer this, Alison? Yeah, I mean, these days you can buy bones on the internet. Um, so, I mean, my initial really? response, yeah, my initial response is just to talk to people. You know, it, it, sometimes it's hard, though, if you've just moved to a new area or you're living in a place in a, in a city and you're not sure where the farms are. Generally, just talk to as many people as you possibly can. Talk to friends, talk to people who work in shops, talk to butchers, talk to people at farmers markets, talk to anyone who shows a slight interest in bones mm -hmm. and ask them and, you know, give them your details and say, if they hear anyone, can they pass it to you? All the, you know, my, Flavio, my farmer here, I didn't find on the internet. I found because someone mentioned something to me and I was like, hang on. Okay. Uh -huh. Who's he? And I had to kind of prod that person a few more times for the person to send me the information. But in the end, I did. So I would say start by talking to people. But if you're in a position where you haven't been able to do that yet or that's going to take some time to happen, then do check the internet for local farms. You can check mm -hmm. Facebook groups, homesteading groups, Facebook um, Western Price groups, that kind of thing, um, and ask them. And until those things come through, 
you can go, like as I said earlier, and get bones online from national suppliers who will send you meat or just in often just carcasses, chicken carcasses or, or bones, and you can use those. Uh-huh. Have you got things yeah. to add, Andrea? Yeah, I would I would only um emphasize what you said that talking to people is the way to find it. Um Anna has actually come out to the farm. She and her sister and their husbands and their babies came out and helped us out and um, just did a farm project for us, which was super awesome. Um, so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And I would concur with talk to your butcher. Ask them. Sometimes they sell frozen blocks of bones. Usually they expect you're going to feed it to a dog, <laughs> but you can ask them to cut it into blocks because um, a giant frozen block of bones, FYI, you need a saw to get through. <laughs> And yeah, quite a lot of muscle oh, power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that works. Uh, also, Azure Standard um, sells uh, the organic chicken bones in frozen cases. But again, it does come in a giant case. So either be prepared to thaw it all at once and cook, you know, tons and tons and tons of broth or have your husband saw it into blocks, which is what I did. Um, okay. Also, ask people you know who hunt. I know you said, Allison, it's not as oh, common yeah. in the UK, but it's no. pretty common over here. Um, if they hunt deer or something, ask them if uh, you know if they're going to use their bones. I have never once heard anybody say that they do. And ask if you can have the bones for broth. Um, you might, you'll probably need to pay cut and wrap. Um, or yeah, like you said, talk to a butcher. Um, if you know a small butcher, not like a big chain butcher or something, but just a small one, ask them if they are using all the bones. Or if you know somebody who sends pigs or cows in of their own to get butchered, ask if you can have the bones. And always offer, you know, if I, say if I didn't want the bones for my pig and I raised a pig and I sent her in to be butchered and you asked for the bones, I would appreciate if the person asking for the bones offered to pay or barter or in some way give an energetic exchange for that. Um, uh, it's just a kindness. And then, or tell that person, hey, I'll make you broth out of these bones. Yeah. They yeah. would possibly say yes. So yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Our next section is types of bones. And we've got a few questions on that. So um, yeah, Kylie, that. Kylie Smith said, I know grass-fed is best, but I have bones in my freezer from conventionally raised beef. Are these still okay to use? Found out I shouldn't be using the conventional fat to render the tallow. So my thoughts on this are that um, it's okay to use conventionally raised beef bones. Um, In the book that Andrea was talking about at the beginning, Better Broths and Healing Tonics, they did tests for both organic and conventional bones. They tested them for heavy metals and found both of them to be under the allowed levels in the US. You know, ideally, we'd use organic um, because, you know, we want to give our body the best and because we want to support the agriculture that those farmers are doing. But I'd say don't not have broth um, because you can't get organic bones. Um, Do you agree, Andrea? Yeah. 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 Use them up. Cool. Okay, I'll read the next one and then you can um, talk about it. So this is from Farm on the MNT, which I presume is Farm on the Mount. Um, And they ask, 
We have two lambs to butcher this year. Is lamb broth a thing? <laughs> Any tips? Mm. Um, Andrea, do you have something to say about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> bones, bones over broth. <laughs> if it is bones, yeah. you can make broth out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, also, other things that you, you, you just hear about the typical, most popular ones that are actually the ones that are typically grown in factories yeah. because they're the most common. And then being factory grown, then the non-factory versions are also equally popular. Um, you know, pork, chicken, things like that. But, mm. you know, guinea fowl, turkey, duck, those make great bones. Elk, deer, moose, those make great broths. And if you have a hunter in the family, as I said in the last one, almost 100% of the time, people do not save those bones. So, Have you ever had elk, deer, or moose stock? No, none of us hunt. I wonder if it no, tastes and how, how different it tastes. That would be interesting. Um, Amanda up north, yeah. Amanda Callahan, our Alaskan. Yeah, we inter reference. you interviewed her, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. She, she uses, so, so we do have elk down here, which mm -hmm. are very lean, but she has moose. And being in a colder climate, they are fattier depending on when you yeah. get them. And so she has sent me pictures of, her broths and her jars of golden fat from the moose. And it's quite remarkable. Wow. But yeah, she highly recommends. Try it. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to add that um, I've made lamb broth before. Um, I've used lamb bones and I've also used a lamb head um, in the broth. And it was really mm -hmm. delicious. Um, certainly yeah. mutton broth, um, which is obviously an older sheep was definitely a, a thing in England for a very long time. Um, I've read quite a lot of Dorothy Hartley's Food in England book and it's talked about mutton broth all the time. So, you know, I think that's because lots of sheep were available for people and therefore they used the bones of what they had around them, which is kind of yeah. what you were saying, Andrea. Yeah, heads are heads okay. are heads are a good resource. I'm glad you said that. Goat heads, sheep heads, yeah. calf heads, cow heads, yeah. lamb heads. Those are good for broth and be like this. Indeed. And um, pig heads as well, making head cheese mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. like people yeah. <laughs> in the Discord group have been doing and making lovely stock at the same time. Chicken and turkey heads while we're at it. Make yeah. good broth too. Do you want to read the next question? Yep. My dandelion days says, I have a freezer full of bones from our half cow purchase. Doesn't matter what bones I use for broth. I'm a complete broth newbie, but there's no better time to try. I agree. And Rebecca Noreen also says, are there certain bones that are better to use than others? What do you say, Alison? I say use any bones. If they're bones, use them. Um, if you're bothered about your <clears throat> broth being gelatinous, that is thick mm -hmm. and, you know, goes like jelly when you put it in the fridge, then use things that um, have the stuff in that are going to make it gelatinous. So chicken feet... Mm -hmm or pig trotters um what say you i agree i i agree any bone off the animal i'm uh, we just broke down a pig on the kitchen table the other day every single bone spine scapula knuckles everything got used for various broths mm. um, ancestral tradition says if you're having trouble with some part of your body then you eat the same part of an animal or even plants that look like that part ancestral tradition also of course assumes a healthy genetic expression animal so if you have knee pain you'd eat a knee and you'd make broth from the joint 
yeah. and get all that collagen and gel- gelatin and goodness. So the feet, hooves, and ligamentous joints are great if you want those jiggly bros. Yeah, exactly. Jiggly bros is jiggly bros. I think we've got another question about that <laughs> later on as well. Okay, next oh, question um, from Ibar Pat, who's Eileen. I know Eileen. Hello. Um, for bone beef broth, that's a quite a word, isn't it? Bone beef broth. Which <laughs> bones are best to use and how many would I need? So we go with what we said earlier, any bones, any bones. Regarding how many you need, it depends on the size of your pot. But what you need to do really is pack those bones tightly into your pot if you want a broth that's not going to be too watery. So, for example, my slow cooker is six litres, which is about six um, quarts. And I would use then two to four pounds in the US of bones packed in really tightly. Um, That's about two kilograms of bones. So this morning, um, when I set my broth up upstairs, I roasted the bones beforehand. You don't have to. You can put them straight in without roasting them. Um, But I roast them because I like what it does to the flavour of my broth. So I roasted all the bones that Flavio chopped up for me into medium pieces. And then I put them into my slow cooker, still warm. And I packed them in and I put in an onion and I put in a carrot and I put in the end of a celery that I had, just a kind of dead end, the centre. And then I poured it, all the water in and I just... And I just covered the bones. It got to the top of the slow cooker and I had to stop. Otherwise, there would have been a, an accident. So um, I would just say pack them in tightly into your space. What can you add to that, Andrea? I would agree with you. Uh, rule of thumb that I read, I want to say in maybe um, the Gaps book. Um, drawing oh, a blank yeah. on her name. Haley? I don't know her name. Hillary. Hillary. Wow. Hil- or, or, or Natasha. But- which one? <laughs> Um, Hillary's yeah Um, she had said just cover the bones with water and that's a pretty good rule of thumb because no matter how big of a pot or small of a pot you use it's pretty much equidistant for the (laughs) from the yes you know Um, I have always historically made my bones with way more water than the recipe calls for because I was always just trying to eke out more broth Um, but right now now that we butcher um basically year round at this point um i've been doing the just cover with water rule and you do indeed mm. get a darker more flavorful broth yeah but i just want to add wrong, something nothing to wrong that with using because more. <laughs> i i used to um use more water um but i've kind mm-hmm. of done it the other way now in that i make the broth with less water as long as those bones are just covered and then I can taste the broth afterwards and I can see how strong it is. And then if I want to eke it out more and I'm not so bothered about the strength, I will add water when I'm warming it up or water, you know, into what I'm right. cooking it with. So right. rather than putting more water in at the beginning, I'm choosing to put more water in afterwards, you know. Concur. And it's easier to store. There's not as much volume. Yes. Um, but, you know, it kind of just depends, I suppose, on what your goal is what you're trying to do yeah let's let's yeah. go to the cooking section so all about cooking broth okay um i'm going to start out with go river ahead. valley homestead um river valley mm-hmm. homestead says i would like to know more about broth cook times is it different for different animals what do you think allison i would say no 
Um, I don't vary my cook time for broths based on the bones that I'm putting in. Um, the Better Broth and Healing Tonics book, go back to that, says 20 hours for bone broths. I usually do, as I said, about 24 hours, no matter what the animal is. For meat stock, as I said at the beginning, that's shorter. So if I'm doing a whole chicken in the slow cooker, I'll probably just do it for four or five hours. Um, and that means that the meat doesn't go dry when I'm cooking it. But I, I wouldn't vary it based on the type of bones. Do you, Andrea? Um, no, I don't really vary it. No. I would say, yeah, if you need a low histamine or glutamine broth, then go with the GAPS recommendations, and that's the four-hour meat stock you alluded to. Um, if you want a clear broth, then lower heat, less time. Um, don't boil it. Don't let it come to a boil. Um, long-time listeners might remember Aaron saying that on an early episode. Yeah. Um, and you would also want to wash the bones before cooking if you wanted a clear broth. And that's all about the aesthetic look. Um, and I have never washed bones before using them. I doubt if you have, Allison. Nope. Um, <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, that's more maybe so if you're looking for a specific look. But meat stock is easier to digest than bone broth, like you said. And then also logically, the thin bones can be cooked for a shorter time. So I'm yeah, speaking here of yeah. fish. Yeah, fish bones, you can cook as short as 45 minutes. Some fish can be cooked much longer, but I would Google the specific fish you're cooking because there are some fish, I believe it's like the flat fish, that release a glue-tasting compound after long cooking time, but others can tolerate hours and hours. So I've only made fish stock one time. I cooked it for hours and hours and reduced mm -hmm. it down to a very small amount of gelatinous gelatinous broth it was delicious but i don't remember what the fish was something caught in the lynn haven inlet up in virginia <clears throat> um but i like you my broth usually follows a pattern of my day less so that i think here's how many hours i want to do more so i think mm -hmm. okay am i leaving in the morning what's happening so if we eat say a roast bird for dinner the stock goes on the stove overnight I turn it off in the morning and then it's cool by the time I'm back in the kitchen for lunch and I would strain it at that time. And that's a yeah. good pattern for me, but it doesn't always happen that way. Before we go on to the next question, there's two things. So I want to pick up on what you said. I think this is going to be a long episode. The um, <laughs> cooking broth and getting it clear. Now, I just watched um, Meredith Lee, who... Um, has already gone out on the podcast as an episode and we're hoping to have another episode with her later in the year. I just watched one of her courses at the fermentation school. Um, if you haven't got to know the fermentation school yet, check out our show notes because we've got a 10% discount on any of their courses for podcast listeners. And her course was on um, confit, roulette and terrine, which is kind of what I was talking mm. about when I cooked the, the uh, meat in fat earlier on. And there's a bit in her course where she explains another way to get clear broth, which is to put protein in your broth once it's been, um, once it's done and it's drained, put a protein like um, egg white in it and cook it with that in. And then you can strain that protein out and it will make the broth clearer. I never knew that until I did no. that course. Um, and the other thing I want to talk about was fish broth because I realised I didn't even think about fish broth when we were preparing this episode. But um, before we moved to Italy the second time, 
we lived in Newlyn, which is very close to Penzance on the coast of Cornwall in the southwest of England. And it's a fishing port. Um, and there were three fishmongers in the town. And I used to go there and get bones and make fish stock. And we were doing gaps at that time. And the fishmonger told me, don't use oily fish for fish stock. Use white mm -hmm. fish. And I made mm -hmm. fish broth, I think, more than once. So I've done it more than you. But I'll tell you what, not much more. Because <laughs> um, I really didn't have the recipes in my repertoire to use it in, you know. And it uh -huh. didn't feel so good to drink, just like the beef and the chicken is and because we were on gaps we were doing beef stews and you know um mm -hmm. that kind of thing but I did do it you know several times and I cooked it for a long period as well just like you did and it was fine but um yeah definitely it was white fish not oily fish that's what yeah. I wanted to add it to that good okay Hey there, thank you for being a listener of the Ancestral Kitchen podcast. It means so much to Allison and I when you post a review on Apple or Spotify or share about the podcast in your stories or send us a message and let us know what it means to you, which is hopefully something good. You can also sponsor the podcast through our Patreon account and help Rob buy weird gadgets to edit out my coughs and microphone bumps in the background. We have a variety of different levels you can choose from and a bunch of different benefits you can enjoy, ranging from additional interviews to video content and downloadable goodies. Check it out at patreon.com slash ancestral kitchen podcast. Um, let's go to the next question. Um, KS Fleming WI says, is it okay to make beef a bone broth by roasting the bones and then using an instant pot for the broth without skimming anything off the top in the process? And um, Arga Juice says, do electric pressure cookers work as well as crock pots or a pot on the stove for making broth? So we get to the skimming question, which has been fun. <laughs> now, we actually, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we actually, we yeah. hit the skimming question twice, a couple times. So yeah. this is a good one. Yeah. People want to know. Yeah. So let, first of all, I don't have an Instapot, so I can't talk personally to that. But the book, Better Broth and Healing Tonics, which is available in our bookstore, we will link to that in the show notes, says to skim it first before turning it down to slow. Oh. Um, now, I don't skim. And preparing this episode made me think, am I, am I doing something wrong? Am I doing something wrong? <laughs> um, because, you know, if Better Broth and Healing Tonics says skim, well... Maybe I should be skimming. So um, I shared with, with you, Andrea, a thing about skimming, which I want to read, if that's all right. I'd love for you to read it. it. It's quite funny. <laughs> so I, this is yeah. from a website, and I'm going to name check them, Miller's Bio Farm, um, Inspiring Healthy Generations. So it's a farm, and their website is millersbiofarm.com. And they have an article well, do you have to skim the scum when making yummy, healthy broth? And um, I'm going to just move to the bit that's relevant. So, because this like has taught title. me something. It's taught us both something, I think. Broth scum is simply denatured congealed protein. It comes from the meat, not the bones. It's not gelatin, which dissolves. It's mostly the same proteins that make up egg whites. It's harmless. It's flavourless. 
It's perfectly fine to eat and probably shouldn't be given such a derogatory name. Maybe we should call it bone foam or protein puddles or broth clouds instead. So why skim the scum? Some people think it looks gross and just need to get rid of it. Some people do it because of their tradition. It's what their mother or grandmother did. Some people do it because basically every recipe on the internet tells you to do it. And some people do it to achieve a refined culinary dish. If you leave the scum, it will break up into microscopic particles and disperse in your stock, making it cloudy. Straining later, even through layers of cheesecloth, won't remove it. Once it boils, the scum is there to stay. So that um, fits in with what you were saying about Aaron and what he said in his interview, which is don't boil it, because if you boil it, you get the scum. But it does let me off the hook in that I'm not doing anything wrong by not skimming my broth. I mean, I don't skim because I just, I'm doing too many other things in the day and I put the broth on and I leave it and I can't keep going over and go, is it boiling it? Do I need to skim it? Um, So I'm just going to call my scum broth clouds. I think that's my favourite of those three and love it for what it is. I like the bone foam one. I like bone foam. I like all those names. Yeah. And protein puddles makes me Do you skim? Do you you skim your scum? No. I do not. I never, never do. No. And I always just kind of glossed over that part in the recipes when I was reading. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Other people. And I always did kind of wonder, maybe I'm supposed to, but I don't know. (laughs) Then I didn't. Um, in Better Broths, yeah. on pages 34 and 35, she has charts showing cook times and steps for using your electric slow cooker and your pressure cooker. Oh, I have an okay, instant pot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have an instant pot. I do not use it for broth. Um, no particular reason other than I'm usually making large, very large, multiple gallon pots of broth at a time. And so the instant pot doesn't feel as worth my time mm, understand and that. she says yeah she says in the book crock pots pressure cookers and stovetop she gives them all equal place so, so. yes 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 is the answer to all of the yeah. questions brilliant mm-hmm. and brit pop asked is it really necessary to skim the scum off the top when making bone broth suspicious like us we conclude yeah. that skimming is not necessary <laughs> no exactly not necessary Okay, um, let's go to the next one. Chance of sunshine, that would be nice, mm. says, how yeah. do you get the most flavour in your broth so there's no temptation to add bases? Do you just keep cooking to reduce the water content? Um, bases? So, I, mm, good question. Maybe things like flavours later on to add, to enhance it, perhaps. You get the most flavour, so there's no temptation to add bases do you just keep cooking to reduce the water content uh but how does how does that relate to reducing the water content if it's well i would say if you reduce the water content then you're going to get more flavor but i would just not put as much water in in the first place do a chance of sunshine mean tell us if we interpreted your question correctly um there's no temptation to add bases when you're making something like when you're making a soup say with oh, I see what you mean. how do you yeah, get a really flavorful broth so i don't also yeah, throw in like it. bouillon cubes or something is that what yeah. they mean yeah that that's, that's what, what she means you're right 
You're yeah. Right. I, I would also say that if you are cooking the broth for a really, really, really long time, ask me how I know. Next question, we'll get into this. Um, it does change the flavor, not always to the improvement of the flavor. Mm. Um, so yeah, the just cover the bones with water, pack in more bones. Is that is that the day um, that you went on holiday and left your bone broth on? <laughs> <laughs> Every day you mean <laughs> all the time. <laughs> okay, let's read Emily. Sorry, I interrupted you. Question because this no, no, this, oh, this I wanna hang on. Kind of loops. Oh, I wanna sorry. add something to the chance of sunshine <laughs> question. <laughs> okay. So yeah, use I I don't want her to use a bouillon cube. I don't want her to. Um mm, I want uh-uh. or it might be him, sorry. Um, so I say use less water if it's still Mm -hmm. not strong enough afterwards you can reduce it by just boiling it Um, you can add carrots onions and celery you can add garlic you can add peelings from vegetables that you've chopped and put quite a lot of those in you know the carrots and the onions do make a difference they give a real sweetness Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. a robustness to it add herbs and spices as well and even if it's just, you know, a handful of black peppercorns and some salt, um, if you've got spices around, add those as well. I mean, Beds, Broths and Healing Tonics has a myriad of different options. Um, and many, many. Just um, the more possibilities of flavour you include in that pot at the beginning, the better the broth's going to be and the less water you put in. Right. Okay, right. And if you, you, if you have a, <laughs> you have a bland... Uh, broth i don't you know you shouldn't if you're following these instructions as we've yeah um, given here but um also if you want it to be more herbaceous i think we might have talked about this on the essential oils episode allison but i don't remember when that went Mm. out um but you can add a drop of basil or oregano or something to a cooked broth and it lights it up (laughs) it's delicious and um you'd not have any urge to use a base with that so yeah um okay so we good on that one yes yes i am now thank you okay emily p bloom says can i let my broth simmer for several days is there a reason not to do this are there nutritional differences or advantages to longer versus shorter cooking time what say you allison well, I wasn't sure about this one because I just do my stock for the length of time I do my stock. Um, the book, Better Broths and Healing Tonics, says the longer you leave it, the more nutrition and the more collagen you'll get. But they do cap their broth at 20 hours. Um, and I've never done more than 27 hours. don't think I've really noticed much of a difference because I just generally do it 24 hours every time. Um, have you? Mm. Yes. <laughs> um I don't know ah, if it improves okay. the nutritional content or not, but, but, you know how we like to look in the, the old days and see what people did. I have heard and read mm. many ancestral stories, and I've also heard from older people who remembered seeing this about pots that just simmered for sometimes years, and they would pull things from and add to them. Wow. So I guess it was like a sourdough soup, basically. <clears throat> and in fact, I've been told... Mm that in some restaurants in some countries they still have a huge vat of sour soup that they add and take from infinitely that has been going for years um so somewhere somebody is boiling things for a really long time um i have cooked broth 
Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I remember my uncle telling me that traditionally in some places, um, um, he's, he's Japanese. So in more of the Asian countries was what he was referring to that there would just be a pot perpetually on the back of a stove somewhere always forever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've cooked broth for several days at a time. <laughs> like, Oh, I think I'm going to strain it today at lunch. Doesn't happen. We'll just turn it back on and let it keep going until tomorrow. Cause I don't have anywhere to put it to keep it cold. And sometimes it does improve the flavor and sometimes it doesn't, it can kind of taste like overcooked herbs depending on what you put in it or what I put in it, I should say. But, um, it isn't like the broth that goes for three days is so brilliantly better that I'm going to go to extent of trying to cook it any longer than 24 hours i can't say there's a significant difference in flavor okay that's useful yeah okay well, let's, um, let's go on to the next then. section yeah which <laughs> is using broth so um mm -hmm. dawn suzette smith who is another one of our patrons says how to use broth beyond soup stew and making rice and we also had another question, a similar one from Alicia um, Etchell, who says, what are fun ways to incorporate broths that are not hot meals? So here I'd kind of point you to better broths and healing tonics. As I said, it's a whole world of using broths in, in different ways. So, you know, they do have the soups and the stews in there, but they have some really unusual main dishes. And then they have infusions have tonics they have like lattes literally there's one that uses cacao nibs in it there's you know almond butter add-ins there's different recipes for different needs so you know some of them have particular herbs in to help with this some of them have particular herbs in to help with that and and they really are fun you know some of them are bubbly and they're they're warm or they're cold there's such a variety of things that would really fire your fire your imagination in there so i'd say yeah point point everyone to that book because it's absolutely wonderful for me i drink my broth in the morning um as my first drink or i have been since christmas and like i said i put miso into it which just elevates it to a, to another level and sometimes i infuse herbs into it you can i've blended in stuff guided by better broths and healing tonics blending it with avocado or with cream um, and I think what surprised me about the book was that there were sweet um, drinks with broth in. So your broth has spices in it that we would normally consider um, used in sweets like cinnamon um, and cardamom and that kind of thing. And that's, that's really a whole other world that once you start playing with that, it opens up doors to so much creativity with broth that um, I think you could just keep going forever. Um, how about you, Andrea? Um, have you got ideas for other ways of using broth? I'm sure you have. Tell us what they are. Yeah, those are all good. And it's also <clears throat> traditional to just have a very repetitive diet. <laughs> so don't feel bad if you're not getting this wild variety of things in. Um, Erin Miller, who is in the Literary Life podcast group that I'm in, she posted mm -hmm. a picture of a, uh, like, I think of it as a church potluck coffee carafes on her kitchen counter, and she had filled it with hot broth 
and put a label on it that said broth. And she said it was amazing how much more broth her family consumed with that in easy reach. And they kept returning for refills. So if you're just trying to get more broth into your people, that's a great idea. And she said she found her carafe at a thrift store for very cheap. And broth that you cook without herbs. Herbs. Allison. It's a great base for... I mean, the H is there, so... But it's a great base for hot chocolate. (laughs) Why not use it? We paid for it. Let's use it. So there's... Um, hot chocolate with broth is one of our favorites. And if you use one of those very neutral bland broths, you know, nobody particularly knows other than that, it just has a really nice smooth mouthfeel. There's also old recipes in every book up until the 1960s, basically, or 70s for aspics and quivering molded gelatins (gasps) made from gelatinous broths. So you could really go to town with putting in sliced veggies, sliced boiled eggs. even I've seen grapes in them and things like that, whatever feels right. I've never tried to make a broth gelatin mold and dump it out. I would, excuse me, I got the hiccups. I would do one in a bowl, but I am sort of scared to dump it out and have it fall apart. Yeah, that would be really upsetting, wouldn't it? I know, it would be. I meant to do that. It's supposed to look like that. Yeah, exactly. So. It's supposed to be a blob. <laughs> Okay, yeah. next question. Um, Elizabeth Feldenhoff says, is it best to use dried or fresh herbs in infusions? Hmm. I think dried is fine, and I checked in better broths, and they use dried herbs. Um, just obviously, uh, with all dried herbs, make sure you haven't had it on the shelf for too long. You know, We've all got that one pot of herbs that we haven't used very much, and it's way past its sell-by date. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I would use dried. If I have fresh, that's wonderful, but I think dried are fine. Yeah. What about you, Andrea? Yeah. Same. Dried is cheaper if you're not growing herbs, so, you know, use those. Um, and remember, if you are using fresh, you usually need less than the recipe calls for. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Do you love oats? Want to try your hand at a traditional Scottish oat fermentation? Suens is just that. It was made in Scotland for centuries and will give you both a creamy, easy-to-digest porridge and a tangy probiotic drink. My video course, Suens, the Scottish Oat Ferment, over at the Fermentation School, will guide you through everything you need to know to create these two ancestral foods in your own kitchen no matter what equipment you have. Head to ancestralkitchen.com forward slash Suens, ancestralkitchen.com forward slash Suens, S-O-W-A-N-S, or click the link in the show notes to get a 10% discount automatically applied. Okay, um, next one, the Suburban Bee, who is a patron. Hello, Loni. Um, says how to make cold bone broth drinks without it getting too gelatinous. This one, I was, mm. I've never made a cold bone yeah. broth drink, so um, I was a bit unsure about this. But I would say try to use bones to make the broth in the first place that aren't too gelatinous, you know, so no pig strotters mm-hmm. or chicken feet and no um, beef bones that have got lots of cartilage in it. Maybe water it down a bit. Um, 
And if you're kind of worried about the texture, maybe blend it. Because, you know, if you break up broth with other things in a blender to make a cold drink, then it won't be as gelatinous, you know, straight afterwards. Um, yeah. Well, I'd, I'm interested in your thoughts on this one, Andrea. Well, I liked your blending idea. If she was mm. alluding to making something and then drinking it cold, that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, we, I guess we can yeah, light up the Discord with this, with this after the episode mm, goes true. out and get more specific with it. Um, but I was also wondering if you put something in it with bromelain, the, the protease bromelain in it, like pineapple. <gasps> um, because yeah, I remember yeah. when I was a kid, sorry, Allison, I'm going to say a bad word. I was making jello <clears throat> sorry that it would never set if i put pineapple in it and i ended up looking it up and found that it was that the, the enzyme in pineapple keeping it from gelling so i don't know if that same mechanism would work with real broth but i wonder if she's making a cold drink and she mixed in some pineapple juice or something i don't know i think you can buy bromelain as a supplement as well um oh because wow, it, aids, it aids with, uh, I only found that out this week in some random coincidence. It aids this with week? protein digestion. <laughs> yeah, literally this week. Um, it's just random. <laughs> I saw you written the word. You got the word bromelain there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so funny. I think you might be able to buy it as a supplement. So maybe you could just put a swoop wow. in there. And uh, apparently, okay. I, I seem to remember it's good for protein digestion. Well, I mean, broth is okay. protein, so. Well, exactly. Do you want to read the next one? Yeah, M. Murdoch says, regarding the interview with Jill Shepard Davenport, in the interview, Jill references making broth in five to ten minutes by quickly throwing in several ingredients such as turmeric. What is her broth-making setup at home that she's able to so quickly pull all those ingredients together to make a broth? And when adding herbs to the broth, is she using primarily fresh or are there dried varieties that work well? Um, tell us well i'm thinking that she's already made the broth and she's got it in her fridge and then she's just heating it up mm -hmm. and adding in her herbs and spices um as we said a bit earlier most of the recipes in our book use dried herbs so that would be fine i mean when i have my broth in the morning it, it takes me just like a few minutes to heat it up and if i want something else in it then you know i'd slice some turmeric and i would leave it on the simmer for a little while to get the goodness out of that turmeric into my broth um, but it doesn't take longer than, than 10 minutes so I think mm. she's already made her broth and she's just adding in stuff from her fridge and from her pantry and able then to create a broth very very quickly um, would that be your mm. take yeah I I'm trying to remember if that was when she said she had a really quick breakfast when we got on I can't remember if we were recording or not when we were mm. talking about that but that might've been what it was. And I, I got the same impression as what you said. And I do the same thing as you. I usually use my essential oils because I feel like they get yeah. the flavor across the whole thing faster uh, than the herbs. But herbs is, you know, that, that works too. I would say fresh or dried, whichever one you have. Fresh would probably get the flavor across faster, but then you got to chop it. So now it's not fast mm -hmm. anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I'll make a bottle, like a to-go bottle for drinking broth and just based on whatever my current whimsy is, put in the essential oils and then shake it and then just drink it in the car. And that's a great drink to send with somebody in the car too, 
I usually make that like if Gary's dad comes out, I like to send him broth because <laughs> it's, I mean, he doesn't want a sugary drink. So, you know, you want to send somebody with something, keep him warm. You know, Rob and I went into Florence on Saturday and walked up and down the Arno and it was very, very cold, very, very sunny. And I took a flask of broth and I sipped it all the way along. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say that that's definitely when it's cold. You know, I don't want water. I mean, I want <laughs> now I want you, Allison, to get one of those little metal mm. flasks and stick it in your breast pocket with broth in it and just take a nip every now and then. <laughs> Everybody's like, what? That would be funny. Um, oh, Christy God. Russell has a question. Mm. Christy Russell says, what are the top five veggies or herbs you'd recommend we include with their bone broth? It's a good question. Top five. What do you? It's always hard. Always, always carrots. Always carrots. Mm. Always onions. Definitely. Um, celery. When I, I don't always have celery, but celery and garlic. Um, I just put them all in without peeling anything. Um, herbs. Really, whatever I, I have, whatever I like, or whatever I think I need, and I think you know, on different days we feel different things. Um, Ginger and turmeric, I think, are very, very good to um, help you through the winter. So those can be added in. Um, and adaptogens like um, mushrooms or ashwagandha, the powder can be put in. Or as Nicole, who's um, a patron of the podcast, sent me some ashwagandha she had um, grown. And you can put the whole like twiggy root into the broth while it's cooking, actually. So top five, um, yeah. Carrots, onion, celery, garlic. I've kind of done more than five, haven't I? Ginger, turmeric. How dare you? Uh, anyway. You're fired. Yeah. Oh, I know. Okay. All right. I'm <laughs> off. <laughs> She's like, oh, I'm going to go eat dinner. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with you. It depends on what we have. And right now it's winter. We have onion, garlic, carrot, leeks, and parsnips. So those are the tops, peels, or butts of those will go in, sometimes the whole veg. And as far as herbs go, usually uh sage because we have a bunch of little sage plants mm. and um oregano and thyme that's probably the ones that use the most salt and pepper nice. of course yeah 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 okay another question from m murdoch who is also a patron i bought a oh, bunch yeah, of sorry, beef bones emily from a butcher to make broth and after low simmering for several hours it was more or less flavorless and after refrigerating overnight it was barely gelatinous the question Ugh. is, when choosing bones for beef broth, what are the best options? I don't necessarily think that Emily's bones were, were wrong. I just think probably to start with, she had too much water to bones. And mm-hmm. also that she says several hours, a low simmering for several hours and several hours is not enough for bone broth. A day is kind of more like it. And, you know, with beef bones, they won't necessarily be gelatinous, as we've said. Um, so if you're going for gelatin, you need to choose beef bones that have got cartilage in or add in things mm-hmm. like pig's trotters or chicken feet that are going to give you um, a kind of a, a jiggly broth, in fact, a jiggly broth. Um, what, what do you say to that, Andrea? Well, she could make broth for the suburban bee. 
Yeah, that's true. She doesn't want hers to Latin, does she? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's what she wanted. So, problem solved. Um, I would also ask, was the broth salted? Because broth broth doesn't really always have that much flavor until you add salt to pull the flavor out, unless there's a lot of meat on the bones. And that's my experience anyways. Broth can taste Mm -hmm. a little bit like dishwater. And then you add salt to it, and it's like you just shined a light on a hidden Van Gogh painting and... It was there all the time. You just couldn't see it. So, salt. I think also I talked a, a bit earlier about roasting. You can roast your bones as oh, well beforehand, yes. which makes them more flavoursome. Forgot about I that. I personally, almost always, if I'm cooking beef, I do roast it. Um, that's my preference. I think that's, I, I never used to, but after, I can't remember, uh, the broth episode we did originally, we actually got two episodes on broth. Back in the annals of ancestral hey, we like broth. Yeah, we've got an early one on broth, and after we did that episode, I started roasting my bones, and I haven't gone back. Uh-huh. It's just more flavor, yeah, unless you're exactly. doing gaps, in which case you can't do that. Mm. Indeed. Okay, so let's move on to storing because we are oh we boy are going for like the record podcast length. Okay, I'm going to read all these questions because there's a lot of them in one lump here with the same question and then hand over to you because I think you've got better experience with this than I have. So we're on the storing section. Ashley Ryan 207 says, is there significant nutrient loss when pressure cooking and or pressure canning broth than if you cook it slowly and freeze it? Simply Annetta says pressure canning versus freezing. Wolf Mummer of Two says the stumbling block I have is proper storing large quality quantities of broth trying to figure out if canning is better than freezing it and karen france 790 says my question is also about canning versus freezing large batches of broth my in-laws think the canned broth tastes better but i want to keep it as nutritious as possible and toka rev t30 says does pressure canning harm most of the healthful benefits of bone broth okay can you um you have much more experience with canning than me andrew so i'm guessing you've probably got things to say on this whereas I don't really so do you want to go I have feelings well Ashley Ryan 207 um hopefully did get their answer to their question up uh, about the pressure cooking broth um the instant pot question farther back so hopefully that was answered but as for the pressure canning aspect um Amanda and I Amanda from Alaska so she's on episode 52 which is called Homesteading the Final Frontier, if you want to hear about having a homestead off the grid in Alaska. She and I were having a long discussion about this very topic a few weeks ago. We ended up going on a deep dive to find out. She had, as one does when one has a farm and a husband who hunts, gallons and gallons and gallons of broth and not enough freezer room. So she wanted to be able to store it in the pressure canned jars. Um, what she didn't want to do was destroy her broth, as everybody has alluded to. They're all a little bit suspicious of that high heat, you know, 450 degrees. Is that harming my broth? And am I just going to kill my product and then have something I don't want to eat anyways? So what we discovered was that some of the vitamins, not surprising, can be lost during the process of pressure canning. but. The protein and gelatin and the collagen in the broth remains. Our conclusion was that if broth is part of your ancestral diet, which would include various vegetables, ferments, animal fats, 
maybe some dairy products and eggs, organs, pieces of meat, all foods rich in diverse vitamins that some of the vitamins, the loss of some vitamins from the broth would be nominal and realistically have only a fractional impact to your diet, if any. The benefit of being able to store and use <clears throat> large quantities of broth conveniently, especially if you don't have freezer space, and if you need the convenience of thawed broth, um, those benefits would far exceed the possible loss of some vitamins. It is, in my opinion, Allison, I'm mm -hmm. going to guess you agree, <laughs> far better to use a homemade pressure canned broth than to not use broth at all or to use a powder yeah. or store broth. You agree? Indeed, indeed I do agree. <laughs> just based on what you yeah. just said, yeah. Yep. And when I was thinking about it and <clears throat> pondering all these questions, then I was thinking if you were trying to rehabilitate a patient, say, and the only thing they could do was sip broth and have no other foods, maybe in that case, you would wish to choose broth that was frozen or even freshly made only broth. However, if the alternative to feeding your patient was to use a store-based broth, because as a harried caregiver with no time to take a shower, you didn't even have time to keep making and thawing broth, I would give them home can broth as a better option. So yeah. Um the thing, Allison, this kind of jumps all the way back to the reviews at the beginning is that you have to remember that you're a real person. Well, and yeah. um sometimes what I forget Amanda and I talked about. <laughs> yes, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> you're just one person, two hands. And Amanda and I talked about, sorry, I think it's um, getting too excited, how she's running a farm. Her husband works um, eight days a week and she has twins and a young one yeah. and animals and she's, you know, buried in snow half the year. And um, when it comes down to, oh no, I'm going to lose a half of a percent of the vitamin A in our diet by canning yeah. this, or, hey, I can just pull a jar off the shelf and feed the kids right now. Really, really good food. You have to think realistically. Um, as to the flavor preference, I would say that is up to each person. I like them both. Um, and to be honest, once I've added herbs in a poached egg or make like I'm doing the beef and barley soup today, Allison. Yeah. I couldn't tell you which broth was canned and which one wasn't. Okay. Um, Melissa, who was also on our podcast a couple episodes back, she wrote an article about pressure canning broth and she included links to her tutorials on making broth and canning broth. And Allison, I will put that link in the show notes for anybody Brilliant. who wants to do some canning. And then if you want a great book, on canning broth, including recipes and meals you can can in a jar, check out episode 62, which is called Building Your Pantry with Canning. And that was where I talked to our patron and author, Angie Schneider. And um, Allison, her books are in her bookshop. I have both of them. Yeah. And I'm putting the link in show notes if anybody wants to look at them. So that was that such a good is, episode. So many people who oh, such a good um, had said, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I was worried. I want to start canning. I'm worried or I'm a beginner mm -hmm. um, or I just, I got so many tips from that episode. So I'd recommend going back and listening to that um, mm -hmm. if you can or if yeah. you want to can. Wonderful. That was 
kind of everything I wanted in an answer. So thank you. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully. So next no. question. Lisa in Magical Wonderland <clears throat> says, how long does a large jar of bone broth last in the fridge? And is it recommended to have just one tablespoon a day? Um, hmm. I think I if where, you... Where do you think that tablespoon <laughs> don't know. Is that don't the sauerkraut know. thing? Maybe. that's like sauerkraut. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. I've, never, I've never had a tablespoon of broth a day. Never. I don't have the self-control. No, exactly. Um, I think regarding storage in the fridge, if you, I think if you keep the, the fat layer that will form on the broth on top of it, it will probably last longer than if you skimmed the fat off. That's my experience with keeping broth in the fridge. Um, if I left the fat on, I, I would say it lasts at, at least 10 days in my fridge. Once that layer of fat is taken off, then the air's getting in and it, less, it lasts less time. Um, talking about the fat, I remember we've had questions before about can you eat the fat? And the answer is yes. I mean, if my bones were organic bones, then I eat the fat. I'd be a bit more sceptical if they weren't organic because like the question that we had about organic versus conventional, that person said they know that to make the fat, they're definitely looking for organic um, mm. fat fat from organic animals so right. yes i use the fat on the top of my organic um bone broth and i use it either to spread on something or i use it to cook with um so yeah back to this question that was a diversion um i would say at least 10 days with that fat on the top probably a bit less and i would say yeah have more than one tablespoon a day if you can obviously if you're on gaps and you're healing and bone broth maybe gives you some issues then you can take it slowly but I mean just have as much broth as you want in a day as much as you fancy as much as you like do you, do you agree Andrea mm -hmm. yeah and uh Sally Fallon even says that mm -hmm. broth under a fat cap can last for six months so wow I've yeah you wouldn't know Allison because it doesn't last that long at your house no so <laughs> it's gone I've actually have kept broth for a few months several it might have even been six months under a thick fat cap and when I found it um this is the problem Allison with having three refrigerators I thought oh look how old this date is of course I will have to throw it away and I opened it mm -hmm. and the fat looked pristine so I pulled the fat back mm -hmm. and the broth smelled amazing and mm -hmm. so we ate it <laughs> wow makes sense yeah I don't so, have three refrigerators I, but, so I never get to that point <laughs> yeah but then I've also had broth spoil in the fridge so okay um i i don't as a rule i do try to use it within yeah i would say under two weeks when it's under the fat cap i think you can i mean my experience is you can smell when it's not right if you are oh, not yeah. sure broth will tell you just, just open the <laughs> lid put your nose in it if it doesn't smell right it's wrong so it, it will, will announce yeah. to you exactly. whether or not it's okay okay i think we might be on the home stretch now and um, we've got some questions okay, so about nutrition. <laughs> Do you want to read yeah, the first one? Good one. Okay. Peregrine Chape, or if I said that right, but I like the name, says bone broth quantity in relation to fertility journey. It's mm. a good question. I think as much as possible. I just, I don't mm -hmm. think, you know, if you, as long as you're not forcing it down yourself, I don't think there can be too much bone broth. I mean, you in the past when I've been unwell I've just drunk bone broth all day 
you know bone broth yeah. can be just drunk as a food substitute so really in relation to being as healthy as possible for a fertility journey or any you know healing that someone's trying to do bone broth with its with its collagen and um, gelatin and all of the proteins in it it's just it's a wonderful thing for your digestion and so i just say have as much as possible do you disagree yeah. or agree andrea no, I do not disagree at all. And I think when it comes, especially to protein, it's really hard to overdo it on protein because your body has a pretty clear message that we're full when it comes to protein. Yeah. So, um, and tra traditional ancestral food says that men should drink fish head broth for fertility. Mm. And I only remember this so vividly because a funny story was our Kenyan neighbors were trying for years to conceive and we read about this fish head broth so I made him some and they got pregnant <laughs> wow that's cool <laughs> so, <laughs> wait, I don't really know if it was related to the broth but we liked to think it was nice. um Homelander Homestead says which is more beneficial Bene beneficial chicken broth or beef broth both yeah just mm -hmm. I don't think anyone is one of those is particularly more beneficial than the other one just have both have all the broths you can get really yeah whichever one you can get and then allison you had a question yes you I did. asked read <laughs> <laughs> allison in italy oh, yeah. question <laughs> um <clears throat> how much protein is in bone broth do different meats have different levels of protein and what about meat stock versus bone broth? So I think you answered the meat stock one in the beginning, didn't you? Well, not the protein, protein, not the protein levels. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, yeah, I did. I searched my own question for this one. Um, I feel <laughs> very good. Like um, part part of the reason why I'm I'm concentrating on bone broth so much at the moment. Part of the reason is because I want to up my protein, and I do have an article on my blog which we will link in the show notes about breakfast options for high protein and broth plays a large role in a lot of those um, recipes so I kind of wanted to look up more specifics and see if it's different for different meats so I mean if you look this up you get completely different results you know some people say that um, a cup of bone broth has five grams in and some people say that a cup of bone broth mm -hmm. has 20 grams of protein in mm -hmm. I think it does depend on the collagen in your bones because that's where the protein right. mostly comes from. Um, I also read that the longer you leave it, the more protein you will get. So that kind of ties with what we were saying, that um, huh. better broths and healing tonics said the longer you leave it, the more nutrition you'll get, up to 20 hours, they said. Um, Do you think that's... Mm -hmm. well, is, is that because you're basically breaking down? Yeah, yeah you're breaking down more. The, okay. Exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. All right. Um, meat stock has a less wide amino acid profile because you're not breaking down those bones as much so you're not getting so much out but as we said it's easier to digest um, mm -hmm. but I think it really even though the reports very wildly I think it's important to take away that bone broth has a lot of protein in it and it's an easy easily digestible way to up your protein without having to really work hard finding other sources of protein or pay more money for other sources of protein mm. so yeah. um that feels like an important 
question for me to add. So that's why I asked it. <laughs> well, I like that one. That's a good one. Every, everybody's kind of realizing how uh, grain fed we've been since the industrial food yeah. problems began and that we do need more protein than we're accustomed to getting. Yeah. So I think I'd like to do an episode on protein later in the year. I would I would be interested in that. Yeah. I would love that. Cool. Well, we've been going quite a long time. So many questions. Questions. Good ones. Good questions. Yeah. Thank you for that everybody had. Awesome questions. And if uh, something wasn't clear, do let us know. If you're one of the patrons in Discord, let's chat it up in the broth thread. Yeah, we have Um, a we have a thread specifically dedicated to broth because we all love broth (laughs) that's how much we love broth exactly um but we can talk more in there Mm -hmm. um and if we didn't quite get the questions then we can nail them down in there so cool awesome allison well i'm going to make a stew with broth yeah lunch yeah Mm -hmm. stew i will taste for you thank you uh-huh. it's just what I do and yeah <laughs> I guess you have to do dinner then yes I do so. I have to go upstairs and the boys will be home in um half an hour I've got oh, half an hour to, hurry. to go and make some food for them yeah really I really great you. episode thank you <laughs> and um I yeah. will speak to you next time Andrea all right bye bye <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram. Andrea's at farm and hearth and Alison's at ancestral underscore kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun, exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen.